Hello and welcome to the internet's one and only podcast about comic books. That's right. This is Crying in the Book Club, a podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. It is episode uh, the 35th. I am here with John Luke Botville. Hello. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm doing good. And Alex. Hansi. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I did most of the intro right, I think. John, you listened to the old podcast more recently than I ever will because I will never I will never go back and listen to a thing that I was already on because I was there. I don't need to hear it again. There are plenty of episodes of the old podcast you weren't on. That's true. And I did listen to those before I uh, brute forced my way onto the show. You did good. You didn't nail my cadence, but you know, I, it's well, just I had, so unique. Uh, I, I was going from pure memory, so. Yeah. And you didn't do the thing where I, I would always fuck up the end of the number where I'd say like 35ths or 32nd. You know, oh, you, you yeah, no, remember how I would, I would do that. That was a good bit and I did forget yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, initially I just misspoke, I think, on one of the episodes, but then Chad and Alex found it funny, so I kept doing it. It was good. Chad's no longer with us, but, you know, we have Emily. <laughs> Chad, Chad will be with us in, like, an hour and a half, Alex. But not not with you, the listener. Uh, the no. Listen- no. You, as far you, as you're listener, concerned. You've got us, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and for that, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're here to talk about... Uh, Grant Morrison's action comics of uh, the new 52. And technically I didn't do the notes for this episode. So I'm not really hosting. I, I can, I can, I can take over. You, you got the, you, you did the intro. Alex is holding up his hard copy of the tra- volume two trade. Is that volume two? Oh, that's a hardcover. Do both of you own this in nice. physical? I own it in physical. Yeah. I, nice. but my comics are not with me. Sure, yeah. So, well, I mean, you moved recently, so. So it's weird. I got volume one hardcover, volume three hardcover, and then volume two is a softcover. So. I have wow. all three volumes in hardcover. I bought volumes one and three in hardcover last year because for years, the only physical, I've only owned volume two because I found it in a used bookstore in The Hague while I was there for an MUN trip. <laughs> for like five euros and it was That's it was the hardcover and it had like a ding in the top so it was like really marched down and i was like oh i love this book i'm i'm copying that and then i just did not buy volumes one and three for close to 10 years but then last year i finally was like oh i should get these because i reread it at the beginning of last year in like march or something it's like oh i i should i should Make sure I own these. Same. This has happened with many books where I've been like, like Hawkeye. I've I owned volumes one, two, and four forever, and I've bought volume three like six months ago. <laughs> it was so expensive for the longest time. Like you couldn't find volume three of, of Hawkeye. Was, I don't. I don't even know why that is. Anyway, that's not particularly relevant to what we're talking about today. But if you care about my physical comics collection. I will be happy to talk with you about it. <laughs> the long boxes sitting in my parents' basement that I miss every day. Yeah, honestly, I feel like it would be kind of fun to do an episode where we just talk like 
vaguely not not like go in depth or like read any of the books specifically like but talk about some of like the you know favorite things that we do own in physical because i don't own a lot of comics anymore but i do still have i have quite a few on my we could um we could do the classic we could do the classic like just name every issue you have and i'll be like aquaman (laughs) number one aquaman number two aquaman number three future's end number one to future end number 52 which i hope we get to do for this show i i own some I own some really weird stuff physically because I used to just sit in my comic book store and go through their like 50 cent bin Mm -hmm. and just buy anything that looked vaguely interesting. So I have a lot of like random issues from just runs that I in some cases have like never even read the full run, but just bought an issue of it because I thought it sounded cool. And now I have like random issues of Blue Beetle or whatever. Oh, I have I have. I have, I think, three long boxes of of floppies, so I it's a problem. Yeah, I have like random Star Wars comics that I bought when I was a kid, just oh I like yeah, the and then I don't think I actually ever read them until I was like five years later. I have like most of the Knights of the Old Republic comics because those were some of the only comics that you could get in Kuwait. Like random, like the grocery store that my parents shopped at would like randomly have them. Oh, cool. And so I would get them there. But like that's like the only comics you could get over there. Although that's not true. I once found uh, an issue of Superman that had Wonder Woman on the cover and Black Sharpie crossing out her cleavage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, the next time I'm home, I'll actually di- I'll try to dig that issue out because it's it's pretty funny. That's a collector. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Uh, that was not an issue of the Superman book that we are talking about today, which, you know, some people might think we talked about Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman Earth one a couple weeks ago. It's, you know, their take on the iconic DC character, Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And we want to do another, uh, book by them on another iconic character. Obviously we're going to do all-star Superman, right? Like that is the iconic Grant Morrison Superman book, but you know what? Fuck All Star Superman. It's me. I love All Star Superman, but everyone's talked about All Star Superman. We're talking about the underappreciated, underdiscussed New Fifty Two run on Action Comics, written of course by Grant Morrison. Most of the art is by Rags Morales, but there are a ton of fill-ins on this book. You've got Andy Kubert, Gene Ha, Travel Foreman, Brad Anderson, Mark Probst. You actually kind of got a murderer's row of artists in terms of people who were like big names at this time in comics. So that's kind of cool. And then also you've got uh, a bunch of backup stories written by Sholly fish, which are related to the story, but we'll, we'll get into those probably talk, touch on them here and there. Um, This is of course, part of the controversial new 52 relaunch Uh, Morrison's action comics reimagines uh, a sort of young Superman at the very beginning of his career as a superhero Um, At the time that this came out back in 2011, some of the early issues sparked a decent amount of controversy uh, around a a number of things. Everything from why is Is Superman in his fucking base? Is it that he's based as hell? That did not do him many favors amongst uh, comic book fans, as you can imagine. imagine. (laughs) But also people were really mad that he was wearing a T-shirt and jeans, which, first of all t-shirt and jeans rocks like who doesn't wear t-shirts and jeans he's got the cape he's got the s on the t-shirt it's fine 
I, I love the plot detail that he like has to he 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 bulk orders the t-shirts too that it's comes so up good. later. It's really good. So good. Um but yeah, the Superman is portrayed in the especially in the early issues of this uh series as a lot more brutal uh and a lot more like outwardly political than some past portrayals of the character. Um those didn't really end up playing a super big role in the rest of the run, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, as I alluded to, this was like hyped up because it was Morrison's return to the character after All-Star Superman, which was critically acclaimed, loved by fans, has an animated adaptation to this day. Kind of Is a book I've heard of. Which is huge. If Emily's heard of a superhero comic, it's probably <laughs> pretty big. You know. Uh, it's up there with like Kingdom Come in that like yeah. exclusive exclusive club of books Emily's heard of. <laughs> um, so before I get into the plot, there's just a couple things uh, that that Morrison themselves said about the book uh, contemporaneously that I think are are interesting to know. Uh, okay. The first is that they actually didn't plan out most of the story. They included the character who turned out to be the arch villain, uh, Vindictivix in the very first issue of the book. But despite that, Morrison had like a loose idea of where they were going to go with the book, but did not have any firm plan set in, set in stone, which is why, and again, we'll talk about this, but there, the story takes some really crazy turns, like uh, especially around the halfway point and towards the end that I don't a, necessarily feel like an the, interesting book. <laughs> it is an interesting book. Um, they also kind of framed it as, I mean, this might be a little bit extreme, but kind of a rejection of contemporary like comic book storytelling. Uh, they did an interview with Entertainment Weekly when the when their run on the book wrapped up, and they said that, uh, and I'm quoting them here, everyone's trying really hard to do the three-act structure and write comics like movies, do it by the book. But you know what you can do in comics? You can do anything. So what I did was to have the impossible happen. And then they went on to say, Here's a comic that would never get by a committee. Uh, this is true weirdness. I'm hoping it will be an actual experience for people. I want it to be almost psychedelic on that level. People should go check it out because it's psychedelic Superman. So, you know, they were definitely not particularly interested in writing a conventional superhero uh, no. series with this book, which is in some ways very on brand for Morrison and in other ways not on brand at all because sort of despite a lot of their weirdness and the stuff that they like to put into their books, like they have written a lot of like just great by the book superhero comics over the years. So uh, just thought that that was something that would be interesting to, as we get into more about the more about the books, I'm going to keep in mind. I was also funny because when I was reading interviews around the time that, the action comics run ended uh they were starting to talk about having wonder Wo working on wonder woman scripts for what would eventually become wonder woman earth one which i thought was kind of cool that oh hell yeah the, these projects sort of blended into to, to one another so but yeah i guess uh i can get into the to the plot summary um i'm gonna try to be brief but uh <laughs> Again, there's a lot that happens in this book. How's your pronunciation, Jean-Luc? <laughs> oh well, my god. Said, <laughs> there's not a lot of vowels in this book. <laughs> I just, before you get into it, like, there were so many, like, every time I see one of those names, it's like, I can't even, like, 
I like, and I've heard some of them said out loud, so I know that it's possible, but like, it's like my brain totally like, like fogs over, like my eyes glaze over and I just have like accepted that that's not a word that my brain can comprehend. Like I just like kind of skip it and keep going. And see, that's why you would get absolutely rolled by Mr. Mixelplex because you mm-hmm. could not even fathom saying his name backwards. No, I can't even say it forwards. <laughs> exactly. So it, it, good thing we don't have Emily flying around with a cape and a, and a logo that means hope because we would be – humanity would be in for a bad time. Very. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so Morrison's Action Comics, it actually starts off fairly straightforward. The very first issue introduces young Clark Kent in his t-shirt and jeans. Uh, slash, you know, Clark Kent, Superman – going after evil billionaire Glenn Glenn Morgan. You might be like, why is that not Lex Luthor? Well, that's because Lex Luthor's not quite on the scene yet. You know, he's also in the early stages of his career. Um, so you kind of have this dichotomy of like Superman going after Glenn Morgan as Superman and Clark going after him as a journalist. But in typical superhero fashion, we can't just have a story about evil billionaires. There's got to be a cataclysmic world destroying threat. Uh, which is when Brainiac shows up, everyone's favorite uh, Superman villain Brainiac shows up, kidnaps uh, most of the city of Metropolis, shrinks it down into a bottle, takes it onto his space station, and Superman flies up to, to help him. Brainiac also, by the way, working with Lex Luthor to, to try to get, get to Superman and salvage part of the human race. Um, in the end, Superman is able to, shockingly, uh, defeat Brainiac and save the, uh, the city of Metropolis. Um, but not before Brainiac sort of tells him about why his motivation for doing this. Brainiac is not, it's, it is a different version of Brainiac than the traditional Brainiac who goes sort of planet to planet, just building a collection of different cities and bottles from those planets because he thinks it's cool. Uh, this Brainiac is doing it as a way of saving small remnants of societies from being destroyed by something called the multitude. Um, so Superman defeats him, but is sort of haunted by that. Um, in the background, you know, Glenn Glenn Morgan is taken down. We see this impish little fi- figure who looks a lot like Dr. Psycho. It's not Dr. Psycho, but it does look like him. Uh, just sort of hanging around in the background, you know, maybe maybe hatching some plans. It's very New 52 in that way of like, you know, there was like Pandora and the question who were like hidden in issues. And Morrison's kind of doing his own version of that, but way cooler. Uh, the, the next arc uh, sort of revolves around... Uh, Superman's secret identity as Clark Kent starting to unravel and be revealed. First, his friendly landlady, uh, you know, figures out that he's Superman. And next, it's he gets a tip off uh, from the person that he sold the Kent farm to that somebody has been looking for him. Uh, and that somebody is the hunter Maxim Zerov, uh, who has also figured out Superman is, is Clark Kent. And so what does Clark Kent do? He fakes his own death and invents an entirely new secret identity as a firefighter uh, and, you know, continues doing his thing as Superman. But he has a funeral. Jimmy and Lois think he's dead. Well, everyone thinks he's dead, um, but he's able to keep his identity secret until Batman shows up and tells Superman about the power of journalism 
and how important it is to have good journalists like Clark Kent on the beat, covering stories, getting the word out to people, and making their lives better. And what can Superman do? Wasted five years of my life. It's the reason I went to journalism school. That issue that exactly. you can do with Batman. So, Well, I hope that's not true, but if it is, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, Batman, as we all know, the number one fan of journalism in the DC universe. Uh, If I think of one guy (laughs) who probably loves journalists in the DCU. That really did strike me. I don't want to get like derailed. That really did strike me. It's kind of odd. (laughs) It's definitely not who I would have expected to say, you know tell Clark that he has to maintain a secret identity as as a journalist. That Did not 100% make sense to me. But you know what? We'll let it go. It's a different version of Batman. This is the new 52 Batman, not the, you know, the old Batman that we're all used to. Batman, friend of journalist, journalism, Bruce Wayne aside, Clark goes back to his apartment and his landlady's there waiting for him. And he tells her, because, you know, she knows. He says, we're bringing back Clark Kent. Clark Kent is alive again. Uh, And she says, great, Clark Kent's alive again. You know what? I can actually make that happen because I'm actually, and this is the one I'm going to have a hard time with, Nixel Gisplint? Nixel Gisplint. Nixel Gisplint. Yep. Yep, exactly. Nix. Nix. Who is a fifth dimensional imp who has spent her life ensuring Superman is ready for his showdown with the evil fifth dimensional ip, Lord Vindictivix. Talk about which, the imp in the machine. That really does feel like Grant Morrison didn't know what they were doing at the beginning. Where they're like, you know what? <laughs> Let's make this lady from the fifth. Yeah, and she's been with yeah, like, the uh, whole life. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuck it. I gotta fix this somehow. <laughs> to be fair, Morrison loves the fifth dimension. Batmite? Iconic part of Grant Morrison's Batman run from the fifth dimension, you know, Mixelplex, not, the, you know, Mixelplex turns out Vindictivix got his ass. Uh, he, he, he was just smoked in the fifth dimension. Um, and you might think that it's I, Vindictivix. I'm able to say it so easily because it's spelled like, you know, vindictive. It's not. But there's a very helpful moment where Clark sounds it out on the pan- on in a panel and tells the reader, this is how you pronounce Vindictivix. Which when you learned how to say Vindictivix, you just want to keep saying Vindictivix. You can't stop I saying mean, it sounds they are, really cool. They are really fun to say, like Vindictivix, Mixelplex. Mixelplex. The mouthfeel on those is great. Shout out to Mixelplex, who has, like, a really cute and great design in uh, My Adventures with Superman. I have not gotten the Mixelplex episode of My Adventures with Superman, but I'm looking forward to it. He he becomes, like, kind of a major player in uh, My Adventures with Superman in, like, the second half of the season. Worth watching uh, show? We stand Mr. Mixelplex. 
I, as a member of this podcast, officially endorse that show. I think it fucking rocks. Uh, there's like a kaiju fight in the penultimate episode of the season that absolutely just rocks. It's so good and fun, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. Except it did have the side effect. I tweeted about this on my comics Twitter, but um, I, it did have the side effect of I'm so used to the those versions of the characters now that when Jimmy Olsen showed up in this comic, I'm like, why are you white? Because I forgot that he's white. <laughs> you clearly haven't seen Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. I mean, no, no. What? No, actually I did, but it's just Where... uh, been long enough that I uh, have been able to put it out of my mind. I did remember that he like is in like a scene in that movie. He gets shot in the face because he's a CIA agent. <laughs> yeah. He's just like Jimmy Olsen's a front. It's like around they, when they do the fucking like hallucination thing for like the the version of the DCU that it's never no happened. no 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 it's, it's when the it's when the American government gets really mad at Superman for blowing up a Predator drone. Uh huh. Yeah. My favorite plot point from that movie. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah, we were at the big reveal about the fifth dimension, and we had to yes. you know, talk about Mister Mixelflix. I love the idea, by the way. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to this later. We'll talk about Mixelflix and all that stuff at a later point. Um, but now is probably a good time to mention that throughout these issues, uh, every time it seems like you're supposed to like get another big story beat, instead there's like what seems like a completely unrelated side story that happens. Uh, which takes a bunch of different forms. There's an issue uh, where the Legion of Superheroes has to go back in time to save Superman. There's an issue that takes place on Earth-23 where Kelvin Ellis has to, which who is the Superman of Earth-23, has to battle an interdimensional corporate IP version of Superman. Uh, there's an issue where Crypto, the Superdog, comes back. Uh, there's an issue where it's revealed that Lois's niece Susie uh, is a futuristic neo-human with 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 superpowers. There's an issue. Totally where... not a mutant. They're not mutants. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Legally distinct from legally mutants. Legally distinct from mutants. Yeah. Um, there's an issue where Superman has a showdown on in the future on Mars with the multitude. Um, but all of these stories are revealed to be like key essential moments in the battle with Vindictivix that is happening as we speak through all, all time at all moments of all time of all time throughout time and space. Superman and Lord Vindictivix are battling and it has caused a massive chain reaction through time that is. At, through time and space that has brought all of these other characters into the fold. Um, and it's revealed that the multitude that Brainiac referenced at the beginning of the story was a trick played by Vindictivix after he offed Mixelplex uh, to strike back at Superman. And the only two, and that trick came from the fifth dimension at different times and places impacting different worlds. And at the same time, but also hundreds of years, but also decades apart, Superman's father, Jor-El, and Superman himself, Kal-El, were the only two that were able to repel the multitude, which caused Lord Vindictivix to have an, a grudge against the House of El. And specifically Superman, because, like, can't do anything about Jor-El, he's dead. Uh, and caused her to swear vengeance and fuck up Kal's life. Uh, Vindictivix is the reason. And another th this is another thing, by the way, people were really mad at this at the time. That, uh, but Vindictivix is the reason that Superman's parents are dead in the New 52 
as opposed to old continuity where, you know, they were 6,000 years old somehow and had lived for, for decades and decades and decades. Um, the final showdown between Superman and Vindictivix happens across time uh, with a bunch of Superman's allies and Vindictivix's anti-Superman league showing up to engage in battle with one another. Um, and in the end, Superman is able to defeat Vindictivix. How else? By convincing everybody at the same time to say their own names backwards, thus channeling the power of words from the fifth dimension and destroying Vindictivix and his anti-Superman league. The greatest Comics culmination. Wait, just fantastic. Just, just, just. Mm, mm, Comics mm. Any questions? No. <laughs> no, I think we're How good. How can I have any questions? I mean, as it soon as so you said Vindictivix, my eyes glazed over. But other than that, <laughs> I think I think we're good to go. So, what a comic book. What did you guys think about Grant Morrison's action comics? I'm interested in what Alex has to say as someone who had read this previously. I'm I'm interested in what this was like on a revisit. Had you, like, when was the last time that you read this? I read this, so I picked up the trades for it, um like two years ago or something like that a year ago i probably picked up the last one mm -hmm. um so it was a book that like i read during new 52 and i didn't love it at that time because i don't think i read all the way through and i kind of bought a believer like, no i was reading, I was reading hey, alex Snyder's alex batman. the hater i was like well scott snyder's batman i mean i'm i, I can only read 30 new 52 books i can't i don't have room for action comics um you i actually read, read more so of, many new 52 books. oh my god I, honestly me and jelly two of them can start our new 52 show again because there's just like so much brain damage i have from that it's just so much um but that's not the point of this sentence i guess um yeah so i mean i read it sort of i guess recently where i really liked it um and then reading it again i, I quite enjoyed it um but the first time i heard about it was back when new 52 was about to begin they did a new york no they did a san diego comic-con panel where they had all the creators basically doing um, you know, a panel and talking about their books and they released it as a podcast and it was like a two and a half hour Ooh. podcast and it went over each of the lines and I just remember Grant Morrison with their fantastic Scottish accent be <laughs> being like Superman, he's 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 the champion of the oppressed, you know, yeah, and that's what we're doing in this book. We're going back to his we're going back to his roots and you know, he's he's Superman. We're going to be really weird with it. And I was like, that sounds really cool. That sounds that sounds amazing. Um, uh -huh. and I think this but you book were not really... a fan when it came out. I just, I don't know, it, it just maybe, may, may like, I always had that moment where I'm like, that's really cool, but I had, I had dumb high school brain that was like, well, Scott Snyder, the god of comics. Yeah, that's fair. I gotta read that. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, and then I just think it's- Alex such, was like, just taken by the massive amount of Starfire cleavage in Red Hood and the Outlaws, number one, that, you know, he couldn't, his brain couldn't process good comics at that I time. I did buy issue one of that book. I did not buy issue two. John, John Luke, real quick, did you have like your earbuds still in? Did you get yes. to hear Alex's uh, impression? I, Grant, of Grant Morrison, Morrison impression? Yes, it was. Thank beautiful. God. I was I, I was so devastated in the moment, thinking that you might have missed that. No, no. We, anyway, we, no, we, we don't live keep in going. World. Um, right. What's my summary? Where was I going? Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. Like hearing hearing those. I mean, those podcasts were cool. And then they were they were like on iTunes, and I still I think I have them on my computer. So I can't oh, find them fun. 
but it was like they ran through all the lines. Uh, the other guy was Paul Cornell, who had this British accent. He's like, I'm doing Demon Knights. Oh, really Paul cool. Cornell fucking is really cool. cool. Yeah? I love and Demon I've never heard of this like, guy. Oh, pa- Paul Cornell is like the only good Brit. Wow. You heard that here. It's um, a short but, list. Sorry. The, the, the overall question was uh, what I thought of this book. And I, I just think it's such, like, the first two issues, especially, it's such a distillation of, like, Superman in his earliest form when he's in the 40s and he's just like he's just like beating up mobsters and like beating you know he like 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 someone's doing a bit of domestic violence he throws him out a window kind of thing and you're like yes that's great that's the way to do it that's that's what superman should be doing um and then it just gets weird and i i love that morrison you know in his batman run and everything he just clearly loves the silver age and this is such a silver age inspired wacky comic that also is like so core superman and uh, i think it's like I think it's really good. I mean, you know, we talked about comparing it to All Star and stuff, and I think there are things in this that I just like enjoy a lot more. But All Star is is mm-hmm. still quite quite amazing. So, yeah, that. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to get in front of Emily's thoughts, but that point that you made about the Silver Age stuff, they Morrison has talked about that with this book in particular. That one of the things they wanted to do was intentionally write Superman somewhat inconsistently from issue to issue to uh, try to incorporate different attitudes from different eras of comics. So you would get that sort of like machismo 90s era stuff uh, in the same book, maybe not in the same issue, but in the same book as you would get that sort of like 30s, 40s sort of like social justice uh, stuff that was much more prevalent back then, which is kind of a... That's actually pretty dope. I'm not entirely sure how well it works because... Sure. I, I mean, it's not I, something I, I noticed. No, yeah. me, me neither. But it is a cool idea going into into this yeah. book. Um, yeah, but it's anyway, ambitious for sure. Very much so. Emily, as the the person who has read the fewest superhero comics and also the fewest Grant I Morrison speak comics, Superman. Yeah, where where did you where did you come down on this? I really enjoyed this. Like I hell, uh, like I uh, said in the beginning, Superman is base as hell in this book. Especially, like especially just like right out the gate, base as hell was like really uh, exciting for me reading this book. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I at some point between uh when we talked about doing this book and when i started issue one uh i completely forgot that this was a new 52 book so it was kind of a a jump scare to see the new 52 on the the cover of the first book uh because i guess this is my first new 52 book because i don't think i've read any of the other ones and i probably won't unless we do them for this show oh we will oh we will (laughs) I think we gotta eye vampire pill you at some point. Uh, well, I mean, I like vampires, so I'm already on board. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I like. I really enjoyed this book. I wasn't really sure what to expect because I didn't really know that much going in, other than it was written by Morrison. But I really enjoyed uh, Wonder Woman Earth One, so I was pretty excited about that. And um, yeah, this was just like. You know, like, it didn't occur to me while reading it that um, Morrison did not know where they were going with the plot. But when you say that, it's like, yeah, yeah. But, like, not in a bad way. Like, I had a great time. Like, even though it, it this involved a bunch of characters whose names make my eyes glaze over and stress me out to think about trying to pronounce. What, you're not, uh, a, you're not a Saturn Girl fan? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the uh, Legion. 
But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed, first of all, you guys know, I love Crypto the Super Dog and Crypto the Super Dog was like pretty prominent in this book. So I was pretty pumped about that. Um, but yeah, just overall, like I, I had a really good, yeah, yeah, there he is. Alex is holding up a page, like the last page of the comic or whatever, where he's in. Um, where he's it, hu- it, Superman is hugging Crypto, and, the Superdog, yeah. It's cute and great. Um, yeah, but I, I was excited about that. It just, just overall, like I thought this was a really fun book and I'm glad that, uh, this was an excuse to read it. I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way because I feel felt like you know this is one that is a little bit inaccessible so i'm glad that you ended up really like that you ended up liking it it's wild title it was like i i won't say that i didn't like kind of struggle reading this a little bit like i and i can't really quantify what i mean when i say that but there was something about it that like i did kind of have to like really like focus on the words i was reading (laughs) Uh, but I but I had a great time. <laughs> do you do you guys did you guys ever have an experience in college where you took like uh, a political theory or philosophy class and you were given a text that you were not prepared for at all that is written in you know extreme like you know uh, academic extreme academic language by somebody who's never talked to a person before that was the comics and, version yeah. of that is how I felt reading this book in 2011 and 2012 <laughs> I yeah and I unlike Alex I actually did enjoy it but I was so lost when I read this book the first time um, which is kind of crazy that it like ended up leaving an impression on me that I would like go back to it a couple a few t- a few times like later mm-hmm. in the future because mm-hmm. uh, it definitely was not you know if you'd asked me at the time like what are your favorite New Fifty Two comics this is not one that would have been up there but now I would say it definitely is now that I have much more grounding and also I think in a, more of an appreciation for the the weirdness of this now book. that you're no, yeah, now that you're smarter. That- that's actually that's such a good comparison because like it didn't like in the moment I didn't make the connection that I was feeling the same way that I felt when I was reading a like a like text that was kind of out of my depth but like that's really how I felt reading a lot of this book but it was like a lot of the texts that I ended up reading for college because I mostly enjoyed uh the, the classes that I took, I still had a good time. <laughs> it, it, it ends up being feeling kind of rewarding when it all sort of like comes together, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is one of the aspects I like about it the most. Cause like even reading it and I, I just read this about like maybe a year and a half ago, but mm-hmm. still the experience of like when you get like five issues in or whatever, and immediately you're in this like weird Legion issue. You're like, did I miss something? <laughs> Was is there an issue? Was I? Is this a crossover? And it's not. Like, no. it's not crossing over with anything. There no. was Although a Legion the, book. There was a Legion was. book not connected to this at all. Paul Lovitz wrote that. Um, and it's not just that issue, right? Like, they do that big like reveal. Like, they, they do the big reveal about his landlady at the end of I think issue twelve, mm-hmm. and then issue thirteen. He's like on Brainiac space station mm-hmm. being haunted by Dr. Zadu mm-hmm. and figuring out how to get crypto back. And you're like, wait, aren't we, shouldn't we be getting like 
exposition about what just happened. Like, shouldn't I be having this explained to me? And Morrison's like, nah, I had this really cool idea for a one-off. But then you get to the end and it all coalesces and comes together. And it's like, oh, all these people are here. And you can sort of figure out why each of those, like, pieces mattered. It feels like a really – it feels like a puzzle almost. That, like, once you get to the end and it all connects and you see the whole thing. Even if, like – because this is my experience with this book still, you're not all the way convinced that it's actually good. <laughs> you're just like, this is awesome. My, I don't care. This is evaporating. This my brain rocks. And I, yeah. It is an ultimate like, yeah, that's so fucking cool. This is, it's just, it is a this rocks mo- uh, type, I, type of book. I, like, I just can't believe that, 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 they, that they decided in DC Comics was like, you know what? Grant Morrison. Yeah. The, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, they weren't going to say no to Grant Morrison, but this does not feel like a book that like, hey, New 52, we're getting new readers in. We're going to go to the baseline of what these heroes are, which this one, it does. But this is not, this should not be your, if this is your first comic, you gonna be like, what the fuck? And it might be in a good way, but I feel like a lot of people were just like, what? I have no idea what I would think if this was my very first comic. I think the only thing that made this remotely accessible to me is the fact that I have been like tangentially in the realm of comics for as long as I have, even if I haven't read like some of the books that would make this make more sense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not sure there are books you can read that would make this make more sense. Okay, fair, fair. You, yeah, you just need to no, be there for a longer time. You just need to yeah. be there for a little longer. Or, I mean, yeah, like, what if you don't know about the Fifth Dimension and Mixel Plick before this book, and you're just like, I, I will say, I probably new? would have been, I would have been more lost if we had not already read something with Mixel Plicks in it, and I had seen mm-hmm. him in the Superman show. Yeah, it, it, it can definitely be a lot to take in if you have I, I or like if you haven't if you have no experience with that because at the time I had no idea that, but it was also one of those things I remember reading at the time where it's just like the flood of like proper nouns and like all this cool shit and this like hinting at like this massive world that exists like just off screen was so yeah. exciting to me and that was like one of the things when I was getting into superhero comics that like got really pulled me in was that sense of wonder and all those references like there's so much in this world to explore and mm-hmm. morrison is one of those writers who just is willing to explore it all and so you get stuff like this action comics run where you you know have this complete relaunch of the dc comics line where the characters are younger and grittier and updated for 2011 and all the epic teens in 2011 and Morrison throws up both middle fingers and is like, nope, I'm doing mix. I'm doing fifth dimension. We're doing Legion of superheroes. I'm doing earth 23, Kelvin Ellis. We've got kind African of multiverse shit going on, uh, which is, is interesting to be reading like now because multiverse is like the, the hotness right now. Like literally everything is trying to do a multiverse right now. And Morrison is the multiverse guy. <laughs> Like oh, that I mean, is their. Th- they wrote a book called Multiversity. Yeah, that was which like a 20, okay. 2018 thing, which is like twenty. Yeah. yeah, like Morrison yeah. for years has been the guy at at DC who's been who's written all the multiverse stuff has leaned into it I the most. Didn't and know that. In in a lot of ways, pisses off a lot of readers. Uh, you you can listen to like re- go read reviews or listen to podcasts of like certain Morrison stuff, and it's just people uh-huh. being like. 
why did why do they have to go and like bring all this weird shit in i just want to see batman punch a guy and it's like fuck you i remember actually i was uh reading i when i read reviews which is rare for comics these days but <laughs> i was reading a couple of these reviews of the current nightwing run and the current nightwing run obviously received very positively batmite or nightmite shows up in one of the issues who is the fifth dimensional night imp of nightwing and immediately on a dime people were like fuck this shit I hate the fifth dimension. Um, and I, you know what? I have nothing but contempt in my heart for those people. I love the fifth dimension. So true. The, the, the little imps that live there. And people um, just fear what they don't understand. And, you exactly. Know, so true. It's a classic. Exactly. Um, I think one of you added this question, which uh, is a, a good thing, I think, to, to go with. But so Alex, it was, if it was you, Alex, do you want to present <laughs> it? Yes. So the question is, what is your experience with Superman and Superman comics? If if such a thing exists. Starting with Emily. And uh, I'll be quiet. I mean, limited. Like, you know, it's... Superman is one of those characters that is so ubiquitous in pop culture that uh, sometimes it can feel like you don't actually have to do any reading which is not not true at all honestly uh but like i i really like reading superman specific comics is not something i've done a lot of if i tend if i end up reading a superman comic it's usually like some sort of like Elseworlds thing or like you know uh like superman's in something else like uh, this is probably this is the most i've read of like a a superman focused book i would probably say uh and you know not even like it's not like i've tried to avoid superman it's just like there's so many there's so many heroes and you can kind of uh let like the the big like number one guy kind of fall by the wayside by accident if you're more interested in like teen titans and uh you know shit like that uh which i was (laughs) uh but i i mean i like superman i think that um I think I get frustrated by the ways that people see, you know, and, and I guess it, you know, what kind of high horse do I have as someone who doesn't even read Superman to say, like, it it is frustrating when people get Superman wrong, but it's more like when people are trying to subvert Superman because they think that they have to, because like, they think that that's like the cool thing to do. Um, I'm losing the thread on my uh, on my talk about my experience with Superman, but the, you know I have a lot of general feelings about Superman, despite the fact that I am very limited in my actual reading of actual Superman comics. I would not say that I'm like a Superman fan. Like if I think of char- like when when I think of characters who like I actively want to seek out comics about them, Superman's not particularly high on that list. He doesn't fall into the like sort of weirder side of typically doesn't fall into that sort of weirder side, darker side, I guess, of, of superhero comics that I like, mm-hmm. you know, the swamp things, the animal mans, even like the Batmans or the, the daredevils um, of, uh, of, of the superhero worlds. But I've definitely read most of like the big Superman stories, uh, you know, Superman for all seasons, Kurt Busiek's secret identity, uh, red sun, Death and Return of Superman, 
All Star. You know, I've read the, the, I've read Red Sun. We should do that for the pod. Uh, it'll be interesting yeah. to revisit that. Ma- Mark Millar's Superman Red Sun. Yeah, I've read I've read it twice actually. I read it Hell like yeah. once when I was in like high school, and then I read it again uh, like really early college. And so it would be interesting to do like a third third trip around the old Red Sun. It's, it's, it's surprisingly yeah. based. I I just really like um I just really like the Batman design is really what it comes down <laughs> to. I like him with his hat with the little bat ears. It brings me joy. That I have a vivid that's very memory fair. of reading that book on a bus ride uh in high school when I was on the way uh, to the March for Life and I didn't know I was on the way to the March for Life um cuz I was just oh told God. it was it was a trip to Ottawa which is the capital city. Oh. And uh, boy. we got there and then we went to like a. We were like, oh, we're gonna go to like a vigil. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense because like it's like you know it's, it's a Catholic school. We're gonna go like sing and stuff. And then they're like, no more murdered babies. I'm like, people are murdering babies. And then I saw like no more abortions. I'm like, oh shit. Like we're eight hours into this trip. I've been talking to people. I'm like, oh, we're in Ottawa. This is so cool. Wow, we gotta go on a trip. And I had no idea till that moment. And it was like, oh my god. So I've tried to be less oblivious since then but that that's my superman red sun memory new alex lore unlocked that's, oh, that's incredible incredible i'm sorry that happened to you but that is really funny it was a fun did trip you, was just... did you talk about your feelings on superman in general alex i uh, know no well <clears throat> yeah he should stop murdering part. babies is what i think <laughs> he has the power anyway um yeah superman it's strange because superman's a character that i like really have liked and i think like the ideals of and just like oh champion of the oppressed and like his, his greatest superpower is his belief in people kind of thing and that's like my favorite angle on it um but thinking about like why i like superman like i didn't love him in the super friends show i mean he was okay but he was just like i'm superman i'm good it's like nice like i, I guess the christopher reeves movies but i don't think i even watched those as a kid um i don't think i've then- ever seen them yeah, and then getting into comics, like I didn't really like I didn't read a lot of action comics, um, Grant Morrison's, and I didn't read George Perez's run there. It was Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter's also New Fifty Two run, also action comics, but that was like issue issue like thirty, thirty five. And it was the arc where like Superman he his powers are a little low, he still got it, but then he like gets on a motorcycle and then fights cops and he's like saving people from getting evicted, and I'm like, This uh-huh. is so cool. This I think great. I had dropped action at that point, but that sounds kind of good. There was someone in between that it was like not good. And then that's when I jumped on because I heard good things. But it was like, huh. yeah, it was a cool thing. I, I think it ended up being like the cops were actually evil. Yeah, they weren't thing. actually cops. Yeah, that makes sense. But in the moment, Superman thought they were just cops doing bad things. And I'm like, that's sick. Let's let's do this. So uh, and then since then, it's just been like, yeah, reading a lot of Superman things. All star this action comics run um, and just really. Yeah, it's a cool character. I also saw Man of Steel in theaters, and I was like, "Huh, I like Superman, but I don't know, I don't know if I like this." Huh. Oh, I also saw Man of Steel in theaters, and was like, "Well, um, I guess this probably works for other people." I think I was just excited that there was a Superman movie, and I was like, "I like Superman now." You know what? That's fine. He, he's it's, it's it's a different take. That's that's cool. It's fine. Uh, reading this book on uh, the cursed site is really funny because there are a couple issues that have the banner ads at the top that they used to do in the new 52 era for man of steel. Yeah. Uh, which is just a great, a great little, little note. 
<laughs> oh man and i remember even worse I, I i don't know if i should be saying this um but batman vs superman dawn of justice i teared up at the end of that movie watching it in theaters because i was Whoa, like i was like did the martha scene get you girl no, you like, couldn't get that out of me with waterboarding <laughs> i know i know but it's you know you, you got to get the trauma out to heal um probably so it was like it was like yeah and then super it was like you know 90 percent of that movie at the time i was like this is uh, and then at the end superman sacrifices himself and i'm like that's what superman would do and then and they're all sad and then at the end you know like it, it, it's his grave and then you see the you, you see the dirt going up and i was like oh my god i'd love this uh yeah superman's cool yeah he's all right mm. <laughs> um one of the things I'm curious about, and we'll get probably into some of the the, the narrative. Wait, stuff hold on, pause. I wasn't paying attention. Why did Alex five minutes ago send the words Max Landis to our chat? Oh, just people who get Superman wrong. Okay, okay. And, sh- and, and are trying to be like edgy and like. Ooh, I like ah. by the time I by the time I saw the words Max Landis on my screen, I had forgotten that thread of the conversation, and I was like, wait a minute. So. He's probably thinking of that video at the time, that like 45 minute video that was really popular among comic book fans, where Max Landis outlines his vision for a Superman, a series of Superman movies. And this was passed around in Facebook groups that I was in and forums and on Twitter as this. I recall this era. Yeah. And it was like. The Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman. The people writing Superman comics don't understand Zack uh, don't understand Superman. But thank God for Max Landis, who understands the character and has a good idea for it. Um, and you know what? In the end, they turned out those people turned out to be ontologically evil because they were defending a sex offender. And yeah. in my life, um, I have never defended a sex offender, so I win. In that, John Luke in that won. For, for being a John Grant Luke Morrison won. fan yeah, and not a Max Landis fan. I I, I, I can't stop. I mean, that's reading. just having taste, honestly. Yeah, it's <laughs> just dubs all around. Um, but as I was saying, we're gonna get probably into some of the, the the story stuff. But I'm curious what you guys thought about the fact that the art was changed. There were a lot of artists on this book, mm-hmm. like issue to issue. It felt like it feels like it changes all the time. Um, is that something that you guys noticed? Did it sort of detract from the overall uh, series for you? Uh, where were you at on 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 the, the art side of things? For the, for the most part, the, it was like the same colorist, wasn't it? Or yeah. did, was it okay? Because like that really helps when it comes when it comes down to art. Uh, like even if you're having like different artists, uh, having the same colorist can really like give a give a comic like a a a through line as far as the art goes uh so it wasn't that disruptive like i noticed that some of the art was different i guess like until you said how many different artists were on the book i didn't realize it changed that much but like i did notice that there were differences and like it didn't really bother me that much you know like i mean that's just kind of it's kind of the nature of like writing uh, a long form story like comics. Uh, you know, sometimes people can't always be around for every issue, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So did you have any like standout ones where you're like, well, I really like this art or this artist or did it all kind of like blend? It, 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 not really. Like, honestly, it all like 
I don't want to say like it wasn't like it wasn't like totally generic like it wasn't like totally dc house style but like it wasn't also like super standout like i thought that uh the art was really like expressive and i liked the it gave like the i i liked that for this story it felt like clark had like kind of a youthful energy because this is like a you know starting at like a an earlier spot in the Superman career than we're really used to, but um, there wasn't really anything like stand out for me, I guess. Uh, other than, like, yeah. I liked it. It was just like not like, you know, like. Pfft. Yeah, I feel like. It... Go ahead, Alex. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say it. It looks like a lot of New Fifty Two books looked I, for how yeah. different the the writing is and what morrison is doing obviously is so different from like the tone and the kinds of stories that were being told in the new 52 visually it feels way more in line with the rest of those books which is kind of interesting and it makes me wonder if because morrison in in the interviews that i read before this didn't seem to talk very much about the artists that they worked with which isn't a reflection on them like being bad or whatever because i do think the art is good here but like, you know, when he was interviewed about Earth One or when they were interviewed about Earth One, they said a lot of very good things about like Yannick Paquette, for instance, and have, and, and sometimes and, and frequently in interviews, they will hype up the artists that they're working with. Whereas here, it felt like that was not like at the front of their mind, which makes me wonder if the the art decision was more on the editorial side of things rather than, you know, Morrison picking the artists that they necessarily yeah. wanted to work with. And that's why yeah. he got this more. Yeah. And also like part of it is also just, it, it, it's probably tough when you have so many fill-in artists because, and this was a huge thing with the new 52 was like, they were so relentlessly focused on getting books out on schedule that they're just yeah. like, fuck it. If we have to have a fill-in artist we have to have a fill-in artist yeah and i i didn't get me, the impression that the artists for this book were like selected for like you know because they were best suited for the story necessarily not that you know i i don't want to say that sounds mean kind of when i say but i don't mean it that way do you guys do you know what i mean i don't think it's mean no okay. i think it, I, I think it makes sense that you know it morrison is telling this sort of weird as in their words like psychedelic interdimensional story and the book mm -hmm. looks like superhero comics looked in 2011 i mean th yeah. there's an element of it that like maybe it's like oh there to a degree an element of it that that sort of fits that like we're building this th this mythology and the mythology sort of reflects the time and so even though there's all these different eras and stuff sort of blended in it looks like what comics look like because that's how the, the myths and, and the stories have evolved. So I, I could see that. Um, I, I think one of the benefit, it's kind of interesting all, though, because like, I also feel like the Morrison not having a, a, a hard outline in place kind of worked in their favor because a lot of those fill in issues are issues. Like for instance, I think it's issue eight, which is the earth 23 issue mm -hmm. is drawn by Gene Ha. It's the only issue in the book drawn by Gene Ha. And it does, even though it is like, you know, you can call it DC house style, whatever, whatever you want to call it. it. It has that look, but it looks just different enough from the rest of the books that you can tell like, oh, this is, you know, you could pass off as like this takes place in a different universe. That's why the visual style is slightly different. I mean, like Gene Ha's art style is pretty different from like house style. It's got like a, uh, it's got a weird, like, 
It's got a weird like glow to it that makes it look like like it does. It, and it's it's, it's not it, so much it's, in the characters, like, but so much like the, the shading and like the thing there. It's really it, it's like it's Mikel it's Mikel Janin esque though, and I would definitely say that like I think there's like degrees of DC house style. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, and like sure. this this is like you know maybe towards further towards one end of the spectrum but i still think it's on the spec it's on the spectrum you know yeah. on uh, the, of, um, of house style on, like just on the art overall thoughts I, I like i really like rags morales's art so he's 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 the one who starts it off and yeah. i just think he's like his facial expressions are really good where they're like a it little really bit the over the top but like not cartoony in a way like there's one like a lot of eyes bugging out a lot of like really scared people a lot of like superman smirking and i think it like does a really good job of that um it, There's it a lot of little details in those first few issues, just visually, that are incredible. Yeah, but sorry. Like I think I think it fits. No, no worries. I think it fits really well in it. it, it and it's just like I, if I think if this book had all the same artist on it, it would almost feel a little weirder because this is such a weird book, and having like different artists and this little disjointedness is almost part of the experience. Um, so even if all the art is not like my favorite, and like you know, Rags is definitely my favorite artist on it. It's, I feel like it. It kind of fits with the the somewhat of a mess that this book is like the wonderful mess that this book is where it's like, yeah, a lot of weird. Stuff. And then you also have the, the backups who are all different artists, all for, different for the artists, part. all, all the same it. writer too, but, but different artists. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I am glad that like uh rags Morales gets to both start and finish the book and kind of bookend it because you get to see him drawing the book kind of at its most, it's two extremes. Cause at the beginning, the book is really grounded in ways that you don't often think of Superman as being grounded, at least in like the public conscience um, or the, like the popular imagination. And then you get to see at the end, you know, Morales drawing like the craziest out there parts of Morrison's run. So it's cool to sort of get to see him do both, both ends of the extreme. And then, you know, he does do some, some of those middle issues as well, but like a lot of the fill, the fill-ins, Kind of the book is kind of it's kind of bookended by I think four issues of Morales at the beginning and three at the end, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good that like they got the, he he was able to both start and finish the book. Um, it does you know and you know there are definitely things that seem like were done to sort of accommodate those artists like using them to to uh, draw sort of those those spinoff issues, but it, I think it does also speak to the fact that like you know the way the the, the just the model that comics have is somewhat compromised by the fact that like you can't have like these actual like creative visions on these books because they're so they have to stick to these like stringent release schedules um and it's it's sort of funny that that happened to the book that morrison has talked about as being you know sort of about the in some ways about like the problems with just sticking to a formula as far as like writing comic book stories go. Yeah. Not that it's like intentional or anything, but it is kind of funny that those two things are, are sort of, you know, intertwined in that way. Yeah. Um, what did you guys, I, we, we sort of touched on this and so maybe that we won't spend a ton of time with this, but what did you guys think about Morrison's take on Superman here? Both like in terms of like, how they wrote the, the the character specifically, but also how they wrote the world around the character. Um, so some of the more meta elements, but also some of the more like like grounded elements of, of Clark and Superman. We haven't we haven't really talked about Lex Luthor at all, but I think this book does a yeah. great job of playing him up as like this like this genius rich fuck who's just like oh, I'm always ten steps ahead. And oh oh shit, no, I'm not now anymore. Uh oh. Oh well, it's fine. Like he he's such a fun cartoony 
character in this, but not in like a, I don't know, it's cartoony, but it's not like, it's almost like believable at the same time. He's just, he's just like, just such a cool character in the background. And I think a lot of the, like, as, as much as I think that Morrison gets Superman right here, I think like Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, as much as they're not in this book a ton, really do well. They get like um some, some John Iron stuff, Steel in there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I think just a good job of like, hey, distilling Superman's world and a lot of the main players there. Um, I also like that Mixelplik isn't, you know, the one that we get to see a lot of because that's that, that's like the, you know, Superman villain um, yeah. from the fifth dimension kind of thing. And, and and for them to just be like, oh, yeah, uh, Mixelplik's dead. Sorry. <laughs> but there's a lot of other cool names you're about to hear. So, um, yeah, I think it's cool. One of the things that I wish got followed up on more was something that Morrison sets up in the first few issues, which is that Clark and Lois are rival reporters working for different papers. And I feel like that is such a juicy angle for drama between those two characters. And I know like Morrison, maybe not the kind of guy to, maybe not the kind of writer to write stuff like that. Although, you know, they definitely have it in their range. Uh, And it sort of falls into the background when you're talking about like the kinds of things that they're writing about. But every time I read this book, there's a couple lines, and I think it's in one of the first, like, six issues. There's, like, these, these little bits where it's sort of hinted at, and I'm like, oh, my God. I just want to – I kind of want to read the story. I, I want to read the AU comic where they're, mm-hmm. like, rival reporters who fall in love <laughs> over their mutual love of reporting. Oh, like, yeah. sort of like an enemies to lovers type vibe. Yes. Could be so yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I like uh I like Morrison's take on Superman here. Um uh, like I said like I I said earlier that he's uh e- extremely based in the beginning of this book and I stand by that. Um I uh you know, like I guess I I don't have that much to compare to as a a novice when it comes to reading actual Superman, but uh I just I really enjoyed uh this book and Morrison's take on like these classic characters and uh, seeing how all this kind of played out. The, the political stuff is kind of interesting too, because it seems like reading this in such close succession with Wonder Woman Earth One, it seems almost like Wonder Woman Earth One is Morrison working out kind of regretting not going further with that stuff in the action comics book. Yeah. Because Earth One leans so hard into that, whereas in action comics, it's there at the beginning and then sort of gets forgotten about. I wonder if maybe, like, they experienced pushback uh, when it came to those, like, first few issues and that Well, let me tell you, there was... Well, what I'm saying, I know that there was pushback. I'm wondering if that pushback changed the direction of the story is more what I'm getting at. I would be... I would be really interested to 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 know that. And I mean, that would definitely play into the whole like sort of throwing stuff at the wall and figuring it out as, yeah. as they go. But also I think it might just be as simple as like they start off with that and then they're like, oh, well, I have this fifth dimensional imp guy. And that seems like way yeah, well, more you, important. You kind of have yeah, to like prioritize at a certain yeah, point. Absolutely. And I get that. Yeah. And, and as much as I would, you know, Morrison writing 18 issues of this is fantastic. I, you know, at the same time, I would have loved to see him or love to see them get the like 40 plus issue run or whatever, where they can actually get into all that stuff. But yeah, when you're, you know, writing 18 issues of a book, which is roughly like three trades, you kind of mm-hmm. only have space, only have so much space to, to, to play with. Um, but obviously, I love that vision of Superman, especially of a young Superman who's still figuring himself out. Yeah. And he's just like, 
I, have, I, that's what, it, I was it, immediately captured with this book, with, like when that was the beginning, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he he has all this power and all of these, like, very intense feelings about the world around him and the ways that you do when you're in your early 20s, as Mm -hmm. as Superman is here. Um, But, like, you know, unlike the rest of us, he actually can do something about it. And so he does. And it's not. There's, like, a sort of corny way that especially in the last, like, five years, I would say a lot of writers have been like, Superman is going to a climate change protest. Uh And it's like okay, that's fine. Fu- it's fine for Superman to go to a climate change protest, but there's a, there's a big Delta between Superman dangling a billionaire off a roof and Superman yeah. showing up at a protest, you know? So yeah. I, I really like this take on uh, this, this take on the, the, char- that take the, on the arrogance that he has coupled with his just like need to do good is just wonderful. Uh-huh. It's just like, it's yeah, the it's angst, great. but, but it's like, it's pure, like positive angst. Like it's wonderful. Well, and I love that it's like he isn't like you say he's an angsty character. He has a lot of like angry and complicated feelings, but he's not evil. He's not doing bad things. He's still the the core of Superman. And this is what I think Morrison nails about the character is that the core is unshakable. The core like values and morality and ethics that Superman has that he got from the Kent his his, his the Kent family. Those are like mm-hmm. unshakable parts of his character. So even when he has all these other things that would push some people with those powers to do like genuinely horrible things. Everything that he does is still good, you know, and that aspect of the character gets maintained despite existing in a, you know, sort of darker version Mm -hmm. of the world, Um, which I think is really cool. And something that, you know, I got to give props to Morrison for. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, how did you structurally? Did you guys feel like the a lot of those like flashbacks and flash forward stories worked for you? Um, like, I know I I've talked about how it's a little jar, it's still a little jarring for me to read those. Um, so did you? Where, how did you guys feel about those? Did you guys have a particular one that was a, a favorite that stood out to you? Uh, I know Emily probably the crypto one seems like you you really like that. But if you guys wanted I, to talk at those about those, yeah. it'd be cool. I didn't I didn't dislike the amount of jumping around, but I didn't love it because mm-hmm. it is a little disjointed. Um, like it wasn't that hard to follow necessarily. It was just sort of like I wish maybe it didn't like hop as much. Uh it's more but- like huh, I guess we're here now, right? Like, Yeah, not- yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I guess we're doing this now, which is, like, fine, but, like, maybe not, like, exactly how I would have preferred everything, like, yeah. play out. But, yeah, I did. I love the crypto one. I actually, I'm just, like, a, I'm, like, just a fucking idiot. And when that lady said to Clark, like, you've got a spirit of a white dog, like, did not occur to me that this might be related to crypto. I was just like, that's a weird thing for you to say, lady. I'm sure Why did you say white dog? I'm like- sure I'll find out what? <laughs> what that means later. And then like it came back and I was like, oh, buddy. I also so, love this yeah. reimagining of the Phantom Zone as like this truly like horrible prison where you're mm-hmm. not actually in a different like dimension or anything. You just like phase out of you still see everything happening around you, but you're sort of just like in this phased out state. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's really cool, but the way that Morrison presents it in that crypto issue is like really like it's really gut wrenching. The way that like crypto because crypto gets so when as Krypton is falling in in the new future, crypto gets stuck in the Phantom Zone, uh, 
Jor-El and, and Jor-El ends up putting him there, but sort of by accident. And you, you see like this sort of like ghost crypto following Superman around. And it's, it's so cute. It may almost made me think that uh, dogs are good animals and not <laughs> horrible <laughs> monsters. Uh, but it is, it is really adorable. And it definitely fits into the, like the long lineage of just like great writers doing these like awesome crypto the super dog one shots uh it reminds me a lot in some ways of like the kurt busaic when when kurt busaic was writing superman of the i think it's issue 712 the the crypto issue which emily mm-hmm. if you like crypto the super dog you should dig up that issue it is it, it, send, it's, it's beautiful send the, i can i can find a link for you all right you don't even have to send a link just like send like the what what i need issue to number. look for uh yeah. and emily shop. will buy it at her local comic and book i will store. go to i don't have a local comic book shop anymore so, i will go to the textbook store that uh sources comic books now and i will ask them to get it to, to bring good. this back to the beginning of the episode that is an issue that I like randomly found at a comic book store somewhere in Hell yeah. and it is one that is in my collection. Hell yeah. Uh, is is that issue of that that Kurpusaic, uh crypto the superdog issue. Hell yeah. Um Alex, were there were there any that like particularly stood out to you of those sort of like side stories? I liked um one of the backups Farewell. It was just like a short tale, but it was one where mm-hmm. When, when time is going all fucky, he like goes back and he's at his mom and pa's farm mm-hmm. and it's it's the night they're going to die and he gets to like say a farewell to them, which was like yeah. a, a nice little like, oh, I, I like that. And then at the end, it's like, OK, now I'm off to prom and I'm like, now they're going to die. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a weird one, but it's it's yeah, it's nice that he there is some some closure there. It, it definitely feels at least to a degree like the. Mon Pa Kent being dead was an editorial decision. And then Morrison just absolutely runs with that in some like really like cool ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, they were killed by Vindictivix, <laughs> uh, the the fifth dimensional imp. And also we're gonna have this great moment where and, and I know this isn't a different issue, but we're gonna have this great moment where in the middle of his final confrontation, Superman is gonna find himself on the front porch talking to Pa Kent on the night he was going to prom, which is this like amazing uh, little moment between the, that the two characters have that I think also like, Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You finished the thought. I just want to just, it also like gets at the, it gets at the, you know, the values that were instilled in Superman, but sort of unexpectedly by these, you know, farmers from the middle of nowhere in Kansas in the 1950s, but you know, good for them. They're very progressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. It's just like New 52 had the whole thing where like no superhero can have emotional connections to anyone else. No one's married. No one's in love. They're all single and ready to mingle. (laughs) That was the whole thing. And they like even got rid of like. Yeah. And it was like sexy and ready to fuck. Yeah. And they're like, oh, like just society. Well, okay. In the first issues, they had a lot of fucking. First issue, everyone's like, right. "I understand the assignment. We're we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna do it in ninety percent of the books." And then they're like, "Oh wait, a minute. Never mind. Maybe not." <laughs> um, but I'm glad we're no longer in a time where DC Comics is like, "No one can grow old or have families or loved ones. We all gotta be young forever." It's like, Dan, did they you should know? make the characters fuck more, though. True. More I'm unnecessary just... sex scenes in comics. 
if you want to juice comic book sa- sales, just like go full balls to the wall, literally. Like just you know, get it all out there. Wow. Thank you, Image uh, Comics, for having our back. Um, <laughs> real quick, guys. Um, how much longer do you think we are? Uh, Chad texted me and asked how much longer uh, he has before we're gonna hang out. So I think we're just gonna do the cry space and get out of here, right? So like, okay, twenty minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I have a final question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> Is it the one that you is in the dock, or is it a different one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh okay, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think of I don't think of new ones. No, no, no. Um, but this book is literally like, oh, all your life, every, every everything you do is just the battle between you and this guy named Big Dictus. And it's like, oh, Riverdale season seven, where he's where he's like the ultimate battle versus good and evil. It's like, did we win? It's like, no. But now you got to go back to the fifties and and do and do good. You you got to do good in the fifties. I actually don't know if they're actually going to follow up on that because I've not finished season seven. Oh man! So far, like they're I'm not also doing good. Not no, they are doing good. They're doing good things. It's like they're being really woke and progressive for the fifties. They're Kinda. talking about bodies and spaces in the nineteen fifties. They're mostly just being very horny. Like and this doing season gender has been the horniest. Classes. This has been the horniest Riverdale, and and then last episode, Archie's like, I think Emily froze again. Oh no, oh, I'm no. still here. No, 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 no. I was okay, no, I was, just, I was texting Chad back. I was like, oh. It, it, it's just like <laughs> and then Archie in the last episode was like, I'm gonna do poems. And then a character comes in that you're like, do not bring this character back. Are you fucking kidding me? And it's just it's, it's Oh, crazy. oh that you're oh, you just got to that. It just got to that. And it's like why are you did referencing? You, did, Emily, are you at the point where they bring back the character they should not have brought back? Um you, you from season one? Oh God! A no. certain Archie love interest. No. Okay. Then we'll speak no more. <laughs> oh boy. It's oh. It go- oh that that story arc goes places. It's great. Well, because oh, Jean Luc, it's like it, it was that episode, and then we um because we watched three episodes in a night, and the next yeah. episode just started auto playing, and we're like, there hasn't been a musical episode in, a- and then oh. Archie's in his bed, and he's like, I wake up in the morning, and he's singing it, feeling like-, like yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's uh, anyway. It is funny because Riverdale has taken from Morrison in many ways. Like they did that whole multiverse story arc, which does feel very Morrison esque. I do love Riverdale. You know, there's some, uh, there's some, there's some. They they cooked a little bit. It it feels really cooked with Riverdale. It feels very like Tales of the Crypt ish, but also like tied into Mm -hmm. multiverse. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Riverdale was great. They should have done more of it. In my absolutely, they'll do a spinoff. They'll do a spinoff season. Uh. I guess I we're, we're sort of at the end, unless you guys have any closing thoughts. Oh, I want to say that uh, the, the for me, for that last question, um, the Kelvin Ellis issue is my favorite because I love the idea uh, of a universe in the DC, in DC comics existing that is basically our universe where Superman became this huge corporate IP juggernaut. Uh, this shockingly predates the mcu really taking over 
but yeah. Morrison was so prescient in that sort of like superhero thing becomes the monoculture and the sort of this like. This would have been like right around the time when the MCU but it, was taking it, off. Yeah, right? it's, it's at yeah. the same time, but it predates it really exploding. It's like yeah. pre, pre yeah. Avengers, but yes, like, I, like Iron Man, the first, first Iron Man movie, movie maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, first Captain America. Like we were, no, we were like no on sequels, our way yeah. there, but like, yeah, yeah. no, you're but, absolutely yeah. right. And, and, and then the Avatar of that chases is like the big, the is the big like metallic thing oh, that no. you fight that yeah. Superman fights at the, in the end is that, is the avatar of like the corporate IP Superman from that uh, universe. So, good. so good. It's, I remember it's, that issue being. I, I think it might have won an Eisner. I think that was one of the big. Oh, did or maybe it really? it won an Eisner, but it got it got some good. It was like people were like, mm, I don't know if I like action comics, but I like issue eight, and it's, it's a like, great issue. Well, it has like a weird like, like alternate universe Saddam Hussein in it. <laughs> pretty funny and Olsen gets fucked as well okay emily actually froze that time i wasn't gonna I say was only anything. i was only i was only gone for a second okay jimmy Olsen <laughs> dies in issue eight so it's a good issue oh, god damn it yeah. dc loves killing jimmy Olsen. jimmy Olsen. emily froze again no 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 no. that's just her face um who do we think uh cries the most in action comics i think i think well okay it's, it, it's a two for it's a two well Hmm. Oh my god! Okay, I'm back. I, pr- I swear I'm back. <laughs> okay, that was a false alarm, I guess. But anyway, I was say it's a twofer between Superman because he's like, you know, his his parents are dead. He's got to let it out. He's uh-huh. got to cry. He probably goes off to space. I feel like Lex Luthor is kind of like, you know, he's 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 very uh, up and down. Probably a little, you know, a little emotional. But it's got to be that guy who just has the hots for Lewis, Lois, and he's like, I'm, I love it. What, what, why aren't we talking? Oh, about yeah. and they ripped Maybe. out his heart. Oh yeah. So I I, I think he cries a I lot didn't even... when he talk about that stuff at the beginning where they're doing like the the, that's another just amazing plot point that like uh brainiac is like trying to take like the best creation from every planet and the best thing humans ever created was a weapon to kill superman which is very feels very fitting it's good stuff emily who do you think cries the most oh i mean definitely that guy like (laughs) He definitely cried the most. They took, they ripped out his real human heart. They did. Like but they did I, it for love. <laughs> I, I'm of. going with Nixilgus uh, Plints, the the landlady slash uh, Nixilgus wife, quite a bit because she is the sole survivor of the. Uh, she, she escapes the fifth dimension after Vindictivix kills her husband Mixilplex and lives her whole life trying to like leading up to the point where she can help Superman to hopefully defeat him in the end. Um, and she like is able to bring Mixelplex back as a human, but then he ends up like in a coma mm-hmm. and they have a kid who ends up just being in it, be, like joining uh Vindictivix's anti-Superman league. Like she goes through a lot. Mm-hmm. And also another thing I got to say I love the portrayal of Mixoplex in here uh, as like Mixoplex just like loves Superman and he loves getting owned by Superman. Like that's his favorite thing about it is that like he can – because it's 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 just the – um if you guys know the, the very famous uh, episode, episode of J- the Justice League animated series where Superman is fighting Darkseid. He's like, I can finally unleash myself uh, and go like full power. But it's like Mixoplex can do that with Superman with pranks because he knows Superman will always like – 
put everything right in the end, but he can always just like do the craziest pranks before that. And he's like, Mixoplex just has like the ultimate parasocial relationship with Superman. It's awesome. There's just so many little elements of stuff like that in this book that I think are just like these little great more, very Morrison moments. This book is delightful in so many ways. It's so fun. Um, but do you guys hear that sound? Oh yeah. What is it? Yeah. What does it sound oh, yeah. like to you? Sounds like the award-winning miniseries, maxi-series, multi-series, Doomsday Clock, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, talking about it next week. Damn, that's a depressing sound. Yep. I hate that. Can we turn it off? Oh, yeah, it's gone. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that sound is uh, signifies... Uh, the beginning of the cry space, which is a segment of the show where we highlight one thing that made us cry this week, something we're trying out new, new bit, new segment at the end of every show Um, is, you know, just natural 35 episodes in is when you're supposed to start introducing new, new segments to a podcast. I'm always. So uh, yeah, always. So what, what is one thing that uh, made you guys cry since the last time we spoke, I can go first if you guys need some time, but I will hand the floor to you i also i have mine ready uh a uh formerly up and coming uh emo band in alabama that i saw a few weeks ago uh open for another band that i like uh broke up this week and i'm really sad about it because they only put out like one six song ep and it fucking kicked ass and i liked it a lot and then now they're broken up but you know, I bought, I bought a t-shirt at the show. So now I have that forever, but, uh, very sad that, uh, the band is called odd Polly. You should definitely check out their EP, which is just called self-titled. It's not called odd Polly. It's called self-titled. And, um, <laughs> wow, they're so quirky. I, yeah, you they, know, they I were know. so quirky. But I really, I enjoyed it a lot and I was devastated to hear of uh, their breaking up. So I, I wish them Sorry the best. Hear I hear uh, members of the band have uh, their own other projects that they're involved with that I've not checked out yet. But uh, so I, I will probably be doing that. But um, RIP Odd Polly. That's what made me cry this week. Wow. Understandable. Alex, so it, do you have something ready? I have, I have two in my mind. Go for it. Two in my mind. One is want... I got. Well, go ahead. Yes. No, no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no. I, I was just asking if you wanted me to go. Well, you picked one, but just do both. Oh, okay, two okay. I thought you could. Oh yeah. I did like four a couple episodes ago. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So this week I was at the Toronto International Film Festival, and after yeah. like weeks of trying to get tickets oh, for yeah. the Boy and the Heron new Studio Ghibli film, I was able to get tickets for the opening night. Got to see it teared up in the movie fantastic um and then even better you know it's supposed to be his you know miyazaki's like it's, i'm done i'm done making films i know i said that like three I times i've heard before, that before but this time i'm serious and then you know what you know the song plays at the end and i and i shazam it because i'm like this is such a nice song and everything this is the end this is the end of miyazaki's films and guillermo del toro was there and he was like miyazaki's oh, yeah. great and his final film you're in for a treat i'm like oh man this is great and the next morning to me a friend friend messages me and he's like hey he, he said the, the VP of Ghibli said there's more movies coming from him. Like, <laughs> yeah, great. it's because if Miyazaki stops making movies, he might have to talk to his son. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't think podcast. they see each other around the office anymore? 
<laughs> Does that mean that they communicate? <laughs> no, Goro Miyazaki is widely disliked as a filmmaker, but not no one dislikes him more than his own father, which is beautiful in its own way. <laughs> Although Ponyo was Miyazaki's apology to his son, according to comic book resources. Uh-huh. So, I can, I can so he, see that. So he apologized you to got, his son you just got to flex on him by apologizing in a film that's like infinitely better than anything Goro could ever even dream of It's making. not fair that the, that the movie he made was the one that they decided to like go away from hand-painted art style and do an abomination. Like, you know, it's not... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably is his fault, but like, I don't know. I'm sure there was some pressure to like... <laughs> I gotta be different from my from my dad. I'm gonna make a shit movie. It's like, oh, that's cool. I mean, there was the also probably guys. pressure to do something less expensive. I mean, he yeah. also made like three. He also made like two other movies, you know. So he had he had a few sh- he had a few times up at that. <laughs> you know what? This is what my fourth fifth podcast. I think I'm finally getting it down. The other ones, <laughs> you know, you can't hold that against me. You can, but um, yeah. <laughs> That was a long cry space, but the second cry space, which will be shorter, is, is the year was 2000, and, and there I was, a young lad, watching a new show called Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, and in that first episode, Yugi, Yugi's like, I gotta figure out how to make this, this, this puzzle piece that's in this box, and I gotta turn it into a kind of like a pyramid upside down thingy, and he does, and he puts in the final piece, and it's like, Yu-Gi-Oh! So, at Fan Expo this year, they have a model kit, where first of all, you put together the pieces of the puzzle separately, and then they don't give you instructions. And it's like 60 pieces. You have to figure out how to do it just like he did in the show because he didn't have instructions. And in the mm-hmm. show, he's like, it took me took me three months to do this. And I'm on week week three. I have three pieces together. I worked on this thing for fucking like probably like 10 hours overall. But yeah, it's it, it, it brings me joy and pain. And it's very cool. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I had heard that that model kit came out, but I don't remember if I, I knew that you had gotten it. So that's very it's exciting. It's so cool that they don't have instructions. And I also love like, it. But also, can I have like a little hint or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know what the last piece that goes in is, but. Uh. That's delightful. Um, my, my cry space is simultaneously a sad cry and a happy cry. Uh, it happened on Thursday when... Uh, the NFL season began with uh, the Detroit Lions playing the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know what? They s- fucking destroyed them. They owned them so hard. And you know what? Some people will say it's fraudulent because the Chiefs did not have Travis Kelsey. And Mahomes uh, tried passing to Kadarius Tony a bunch of times. And Kadarius Tony apparently does not know how to play the game of football. But in my eyes, Jared Goff... The boys at the Lions, they absolutely earned it. We're 1-0, 100% win rate in this season. Um, I'm actually really excited. I, I mean, yes, there were definitely problems with the, with, with the Chiefs in, in that game, but it seems like the Lions are um, poised to have an, a, a very successful season this year for the first time in my lifetime. Wow. So that's exciting. Uh, of course, it is I'm, also a sad cry because the Chiefs are like my backup team, have been my backup <laughs> team for when, you know, you get like halfway through the season, you're like, I don't believe in the Lions anymore. I'm not <laughs> watching a single one more Lions game. Fuck the you Lions. To, All my homies the hate the Lions. Yeah. You need a team to root for. And that the Chiefs have been that team for me because Mahomes is so fun to watch. 
Um, so it is kind of sad to see them lose, but you know what? The Lions, the, the Chiefs will probably win every other game this season. And you know what? If the Lions also win every other game this season, they meet in the Super Bowl finals. I'm just saying, Travis Kelsey's injured again. Please, God, if they meet in the in in in, in the postseason, let Travis Kelsey be injured again. Uh, I just want to. I just made a note to myself. It's a calendar entry. Uh, on the day that this episode around where this episode is going to go up, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check in and see how the Lions are, are doing. <laughs> this this is joyful, jubilant, Jean Luc. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's nice. to be fair. Their defense, their defense did not have to do that much against the frankly pathetic showing from the Chiefs, but the offense looked really good, and that was really what they made their bones on last season when they went on that crazy run where uh, they had a, a losing record and then turned it into a winning record by the end of the season was they had the best offense in the league. So I think if they can do that again, defense doesn't matter in modern football as much anyway. So we're chilling. We're That's big so chilling. Cool. Also, just a year ago, Jean-Luc Sports, maybe maybe it was a year and a half ago because you were like watching baseball with your with your grandpa, but it's 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 nice. It's yeah. been since like 2020 cool. I've been watching yeah. football with my with my grandpa, yeah. You're evolving, Jean-Luc. Getting I, I had to stop watching. I, I had the same experience the last three years with baseball where I start watching it and I'm like, baseball rocks. And then the Tigers are fucking awful. And I don't want to watch another baseball There's team, 160 so. games you have to watch. Like, yeah, and I have to watch them just like painfully lose every single one. It's like the ninth inning and it's like, no, they can, they can come back. They can get five runs in one inning. You, you only have so much like uh, emotional energy for, for that. You can only do that so many times before it caves in on you but that's enough sports talk and i apologize for our alex and i are probably i I think there's probably zero listeners who watch sports and i know alex and i are the only two who care uh i'm sorry that we talk about it i love (laughs) esports hell yeah i'm my my other cry space is that my favorite apex team got eliminated in uh losers in in losers bracket round two so they won't be playing in the championship finals mine too Oh, yeah. Well, your favorite team sucks ass. Fuck those guys. <laughs> uh, um, I, yeah, I, I picked a favorite team like an hour left in the tournament. And then as they lost, my like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so it's sad. The, the only team that's not transphobic in the entire Apex Legends Pro League. Oh, yeah. Let's fucking oh, Did not make it into the finals, but uh, which sucks because they they're have, in the finals of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? They've been top five at the last four, four lands, so whatever. Who cares? Uh, anyway, if you want more of that, you can follow us on Twitter at Crying Book Club. You can follow Emily at Mpandanata. You can follow Alex at Alex Hanziak. You can follow me at Mountain Dew Liker. Uh, you'll probably have more luck following my litter box, though, which is JL Botbill. Um, I've, it's spooky season. I know it's September 9th when we're recording this, but September is spooky season also, and by the time this comes out, it will be October. Or, no, it'll be October soon when this comes out. Anyway, yeah. Lots of spooky season uh, stuff going mm-hmm. on over on Letterboxd, so yep. you can check Remember, that out. Yeah. I'm... Yes, Alex? If you see Max Landis, <laughs> put a bullet in his brain. Hell yeah. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. You can also find Emily on Letterboxd. She's Pandabore over yeah. there. Um, and you can find her podcasting empire... Uh, Imagine Me and Utena, Fresh Podcast Market. That looks terrible, which there will be new episodes of. But I had to re-edit the Wonder Woman episode because my hard drive died, and that pissed me off. So I haven't edited a podcast episode since I did that. Don't blame you. Um, 
but I will be getting to that uh, maybe this week. We'll see. Sick. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, I think we are officially into spooky season, so I think next time we're doing The Crow. I think uh, so. That will be our next episode of the podcast, so look forward to that two weeks from today. Uh, and that's all that I have, so goodbye. Bye! I'm sorry, Max Landis. Not...